Welcome to the Vital Dawn podcast for Tuesday, July 14th. S&P futures are trying to stabilize and bounce. They're up about 10 points. That is about 30 basis points. The major European indices are trading off 1.3 to 1.5%. Tech is leading Europe lower, so tech is off about 3% in Europe, obviously following what occurred in the US yesterday. Asia finished in the red across the board. The losses weren't too dramatic, um, but certainly, you know, definitely a sea of red. And then again, tech... Um, you know, tech stocks saw the brunt of the selling in Asia. So continuing the pattern again that you saw in the US yesterday. So, you know, I think there's kind of a, a big disconnect between, you know, news flow, fundamental news flow on any given day or morning, and then the price action we're seeing in the market. That was especially evident yesterday afternoon. We saw obviously a huge decline in growth momentum stocks into the close. And I know there's a tendency or an urgency to kind of tie that to specific headlines and news. And you can certainly find negative sounding developments in the market, but um, you know, I think clearly a lot of stocks in this tape have been completely divorced from what's occurring on the ground fundamentally for several weeks. And so it makes sense that if stocks go up on in it, despite the lack of fundamental news, they're also going to start declining on the lack of fundamental news. So all that being said, not much new incremental news out since the U.S. closed yesterday. The biggest developments in the last 24 hours were out of California. These were out during the U.S. session. You have the governor announcing a series of mitigation steps, incremental mitigation steps, given the COVID figures remain quite dramatic in that state. So closing a lot of bars, restaurants, movie theaters, et cetera. And then you also had the San Diego and LA school systems announce that they will be going to online only instruction, at least for the fall when they reopen. Um, you know, so clearly, you know, taking it, just taking a step back and looking at the broader narrative, all the things I'm about to say could have been said on any given morning for the last month. So you still have pretty grim COVID figures. And again, it's not just transmissions. You have hospitalizations that are climbing. And then also, unfortunately, you have fatalities that are on the rise too. You have wholesale lockdowns that are being avoided. You are not seeing states implement the types of lockdown measures that were that took place back in April and May, but you are seeing several mitigation steps being, being announced. And adding all those up in aggregate, they are weighing on economic activity. So again, the official government statistics are not capturing. They didn't capture it on the way down. They didn't capture the initial rebound, and they're not going to capture this kind of mini pullback in growth momentum either. But you are seeing a number of high-frequency indications. Bloomberg had an article out yesterday afternoon just talking about some of the high-frequency uh, data points that they look at, pointing to, obviously, a, a rolling over in the economic momentum of the market in response to the onslaught of COVID figures. On the political front, the dynamics are still the same as before too, where you have Trump at, at this point in time, if the election were held tomorrow, would lose the election. The Senate likely would switch hands as well. I don't think, again, there's enough focus on the types of uh, political policy changes that would bring in January of next year. Um, you have stimulus that is still very intense, um, very immense, but it is, it is lessening at the margin going forward. So you still have this US fiscal cliff question is how large a cliff it's going to be. Republicans say that we'll have out their draft version of the bill next week. Again, there's a huge bid-ass spread between Democrats, which have passed a $3.5 trillion bill. Republicans had been talking about a trillion-dollar ceiling. They don't really they don't seem to be as adamant about that number as before, just given you, know, you clearly have a worsening COVID crisis that, in theory, will push the price tag of this thing higher. I think you're probably going to wind up with something around a trillion and a half to $2 trillion dollars. And again, you have the federal unemployment benefits of $600 a week. Those will be cut. Question is by how much? They probably will not be cut all the way to zero, but it will be cut from $600. And then, you know, as far as another round of one-time stimulus checks, it looks like there is support for those too. But 
certainly not to as many people as it has occurred under the CARES Act. And then state and local governments will need a lot of federal assistance, a ton of money, or else you're going to see them really accelerate their job cuts as well. And that will become a further headwind for the economy. So you have that bill out there, um, you know, floating out there, obviously that needs to be done over the coming weeks. The fiscal cliff, you know, if you if you measure it by the federal unemployment benefits, those expire at the end of July. So that, you know, August 1st is kind of the in, in, informal deadline as far as when a fifth fiscal bill needs to be passed. And then, um, you know, you have U.S.-China tensions that seem to escalate on a daily basis. Both sides are trying to respect the phase one agreement, even though China is is falling short of its purchase commitments. Um, but you had another article. There's a, there was a report out overnight on Reuters just talking about, again, Chinese listings in the U.S., um, this article, again, would seem to undermine the ability of Chinese stocks to come to the U.S. Um, and not only IPO, but also the ability of, of existing Chinese companies listed in the U.S., the ability of them to stay listed. Um, you know, so again, you have Chinese, U.S.-China tensions escalate on a daily basis. And then, you know, given all that, you still have valuations that are very elevated. You know, I think for throughout most of June, the assumption had been that, you know, you had a lot of those super cap tech names that provided immunity. From what was occurring in the fundamental landscape, a lot of those names were thought to be beneficiaries of, of increased COVID cases, more lockdown measures, et cetera. But at a certain point in time, these rallies just became extraordinarily unsustainable. You had parabolic moves in huge, enormous companies adding hundreds of billions of dollars of market cap over the course of just a week or two. Um, and I don't think anyone really debated that that was not sustainable. And that's not a criticism of the companies fundamentally. These are all spectacular companies. Um, but at a certain point in time, moves and stocks just are not sustainable at that rate. And you saw that yesterday. They kind of just started to break down under their own weight, um, having nothing to do with any shift in the fundamentals. Um, and so, again, the question is, I think, does that price action continue? You know, you saw on the under underlying trading trends yesterday that a lot of the cyclical groups held in much better than growth. Um, you know, so if you were to see that continue, um, that obviously would would be encouraging, but it's not going to it's not going to offset the market cap discrepancy between those two areas. So if growth continues to suffer, it's going to drag the overall tape lower, um, even if the cyclical names hold in better. For the calendar today, it's going to be all about bank earnings. So JP Morgan will kick things off. Their press release hits at 6.45 a.m. Then you have Citi and Wells or the other big ones. Delta also will have its numbers out. There's nothing scheduled for after the close. So it's all just this morning with banks. Um, nothing else major on the calendar that's scheduled either. It's going to be all, again, focusing on the bank earnings. I had preview out. Uh, you know, The preview is still available on the website. Um, you know, again, I think a lot of it will come down to provisions. I think you're going to see some real ugly provision figures for Q2. Like I said yesterday, the street estimates on provisions seem too low. The street estimates on reserve buildings seems too low. That would suggest earnings estimates are too high for Q2. But if the guidance around provisioning is encouraging and management team suggests that the bulk of the reserve building is done as of Q2 and you're going to see a precipitous decline in Q3 and beyond, that would obviously be very encouraging. Um you know, and, you, and then and then offsetting that, you will probably see some very strong trading figures, especially on the FIC front. So that will help offset some of the um, provision headwinds. So that is everything for today. Thank you for listening.